If I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture, which comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18. Paul writes this, So, since we have such a hope, we act with great confidence. We aren't like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites couldn't watch the end of what was fading away, but their minds were closed. Right up to the present day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. The veil is not removed because it is taken away by Christ. Even today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever someone turns back to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom. All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. All right, I had to catch my breath, sorry. Um, (laughs) All of a sudden I looked down this morning. um, You know, there's lots of pieces that come together, and the worship laptop this morning decided that today was the day it needed to upgrade to Microsoft 11. And so um, if any of you have ever gone to your computer ready to do something and knowing that it needed to happen immediately and found the blue screen of update going on, uh, that's where we were this morning. So actually I was up there checking before church and realized I left my copy of the sermon up there and I had the copy that Hannah, the computer operator, uh, needed so that she could follow along. So uh, so I'd run up there and do that. All right, so this morning we're going to be uh, continuing our sermon series, Refuel, and in this series we're taking some time to, to focus on what are the things that we need to do to refuel our tanks and to refill our reserves so that we can face the challenges that are before us, both spiritually but then also in other aspects of our lives. Uh, the first week we, we talked about and we looked at that while life has um, begun picking back up after the last two years, And obviously, picking back up is relative, depending on who you are and what you've been doing, and all of that's fine. Um, But I think what people are even noticing is, even if they've been going about things normally for for quite some time, is I think people are realizing that things are just not quite as they had expected. As we're not bouncing back the way we'd expected to bounce back. And I think part of that is probably, obviously, the economy and what's going on and other things that are happening. But I think part of it, too, is an internal thing. Because we have spent so much time drawing on our reserves, our internal reserves, that we've not taken intentional time to replenish them. And so the first week we ended the sermon by just saying, you know, what would it be like if we set aside five minutes a day without a distraction? So no phone, no tablet, no TV, no radio, whatever it is that distracts you, pretty much anything for me, um, in order to just take a moment and focus on God. Now I'm going to tell you, the days that, that I do it, I feel better, it works, but also I know how hard it is for us to just pause and to say, Lord, where am I at today and what do I need to be doing? Last Sunday, we talked a little bit about uh, how critical it is for us to stay connected to God through all sorts of times. And we looked at the example of Jesus and saw how, you know, in the transfiguration, in his baptism, in his temptation, and even when he was on the cross, that he turned to God time and time again, both to receive strength from God himself, but also to demonstrate to us the necessity 
that you and I have to turn to God and to ask him for strength in our times of need, but also I think in our times of where, where we really feel like things are going really well. And so last week we ended with the idea that strength is really a gift from God. That he gives to you and he gives to me, and it's something he's given to his people throughout history. We just have to be willing to ask for it. We have to be willing to communicate with him about it and to ask him to give it to us. And so today we're going to take the next step, and I want to begin by, by looking for a moment at the scripture that we've read this morning. Our passage comes from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. And in this letter, Paul tells the Corinthians that the veil has been lifted. And what he means by this is that the, as followers of Jesus, or that followers of Jesus, are able to see God face to face with our faces uncovered. That we are able to contemplate the Lord's glory. He says we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so what Paul is basically saying is that unlike in the Old Testament, you and I are able to talk to God directly, we are able to turn to God directly, and we are able to look to God directly without needing a mediator or anything else that comes between us and God himself and Jesus Christ. And see, Paul makes this reference, and we have to remember, Paul was Jewish, and Paul was a, a very accomplished um, practitioner of the Jewish faith. He knew the scriptures, you know, backwards and forwards, and was able to argue and, and um, discuss his understanding of the Torah with the people who were the best in his time. And so, Paul makes plenty of references that, that he assumes that you and I fully understand what he's talking about when he talks about the veil on the face. So Paul's referencing Exodus 34. If you go and look in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, I'm not going to spend a lot of time reading it, but um, in Exodus 34, Moses is up on Mount Sinai. So the people of Israel have already given the first copy of, they've received the first copy of the Ten Commandments. Moses has gone back up. He's been talking to God. As this happens, remember the people turn to Aaron and they say, uh, Aaron, you know, we need something to worship. Moses is not coming back down. And so uh, Aaron creates the two golden idols, the golden calf that the people worship. Moses comes down, gets upset. He throws the Ten Commandments. They break. He makes the people eat them and the golden calf. And then um, he goes back up on the mountain to uh, intercede on the behalf of the people before God and to say, God, don't cast these people aside. They've made a mistake, but they're still your chosen people. And so in Exodus 34, Moses is up on the mountain, and he's in the presence of God himself, and it's on this mountain that, that as he meets God, he receives the Ten Commandments for a second time, and he's in the presence of God. And so the scriptures tell us that because he was in the presence of God and he was able to see, you know, to, to be there, that when he came down the mountain, he was radiating with the glory of God. Now, I don't really know what radiating means. I think we can assume, like in the pictures, hey, can you go back a slide, Hannah? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, like in the pictures, see how Moses has come down. I think what it is, is that Moses is, is just so filled with God's glory, so filled with God's grace, so filled with the presence of God that the people are just looking at him and they just see him. And it was too much for them. And so they were afraid to approach him, and Aaron goes to Moses and, and says, we're afraid to approach you. And so Moses began to cover his face with a veil to hide the glory of God from them. 
And so when Moses would go up the mountain, because this is Exodus 34, there's a series of Moses going up and down the mountain. And so he would go up the mountain and he would remove the veil and he would be in the presence of God and in communication with God. And then when he came down the mountain, he would put the veil on so that he would not overwhelm the people of Israel with his glory and with his radiance. Except it wasn't his glory and radiance, it was God's glory and radiance. And so it's this veiling that, that Paul is referencing when he tells the Corinthians and when he tells us that, that because of Jesus, God has permanently removed this veil between us and him. It's been lifted. In the sending of his son, we're now able to be in the very presence of the radiant God of glory. And so the separation that used to be there is no longer. And so in, in the New Testament terms, you know, and, and when we read in the Gospels, it said that the temple curtain had been torn in two, and that's a second image of what the Bible tells us about how the glory, how the veil is removed between us and God through the coming of, of His Son, Jesus, and through the sacrifice that He made on our behalf. And so there's, there's kind of two uh, images here, right, that, Moses, that Paul's using. He's using the image of Moses with the veil over his face as he comes down the mountain before the people, and he is so radiating that, uh, that, that they just can't look at him. And then he's also using this same image and this same idea of how the, the temple curtain was torn in two when Jesus gave his last breath and called out to God. So in short, what Paul is saying is that he is with us. God is with us in Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying on this day, which I think is appropriate because it's Pentecost, is that God has sent us the Holy Spirit, and He's placed Himself within us, and He empowers with us in that same Spirit. And so where the Old Testament tells us that the, the Spirit of God is going to descend on places like the tabernacle, the tent in the wilderness, or like the temple in Jerusalem, the New Testament tells us that you and I are filled with God's glory, like we see in that picture of Pentecost, because God has now chosen, instead of dwelling in places, to dwell in hearts. Friends, this means that God has chosen you to be His temple. That you are the place that God's glory, and His radiance, and His love, and His action, and everything else, it's in you, and that is where it can be found. Because you are the temple. Because I am the temple. But see, there's more to that. I think it's easy for us to, to read the scripture and go, oh, okay, God's made, made me his temple, but uh, we have to work at being that. Meaning we can't go through our normal routine and assume that, that just believing in God is going to be enough. We can't go through our day without pausing to give God thanks and just think that, that somehow we're going to be someone that expresses gratitude. Like, I can't say I'm a thankful person if I don't go out of my way and make thankfulness an active part of who I am. I can't assume that the path that I'm on is the path that God wants me to be on or intends to me to be on. If I'm not actively looking and seeking and questioning and discerning that that's the path that God wants me to be on. In short, what I'm saying is for us to be the temple is we can't assume anything is of God if we are not actively pursuing God while we do it. We can't assume that anything we're doing is of God if we're not actively pursuing God as we do it. Friends, I think we can all think of times when people have said, well, I, I think this is what God wants me to do. And we're looking at people and we're going, really? Have you prayed about it? Have you sought, you know, um, 
Have you had others pray about it? Have you discussed with someone about what you're doing? Are you sure that that's really what God wants you to be doing? And I'm not saying that, that we may be wrong, because we certainly can be wrong, but I also think there's a lot of times that you and I are, are able to, to, we put the stamp of God on something without actively seeing if that's really what God wants us to do. Because God works even when we don't see it. But often those times don't help us to grow because we are not investing ourselves in those opportunities and in those times. It's not meant to be easy. I think it's easy for us to be the temple, for us to offer ourselves as the temple of God and of Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit when, when we are in tune with God and turning our hearts to Him and listening to Him and seeking His guidance and, and wisdom. But it's not easy because we all know that there's a battle over our hearts that goes on. It's a battle of good. It's a battle of evil. It's a battle that Jesus had in mind when he told his disciples that they needed to stay close to him. Not in the physical sense, but he said you need to stay close to me in order to be on your guard and to pursue me because the forces of darkness come in to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so he told them you need to stay close. You need to pay attention so that you can stand with, with me and be saved. And I think Jesus knew that that was easier said than done because that's why he was with his disciples, wasn't he? Because he knows the challenges that we face and he knows that you and I get distracted. He knows that we get so focused on the things of this world that, that we miss the work of God and the spiritual around us. And he also knows that when you and I do these things, we simply stop refueling, we stop replenishing, and we just go until we have no more where we find ourselves either separated from God, either questioning or, or just being in a fog, not really feeling lost, but not really feeling like we're going anywhere. And see, that's when we're at the greatest risk of, of the enemy working against us. You know, putting questions in our minds to impede our faith, putting questions in our minds to discourage our faith. Like we said last week, the risk is there for us to just fall away. But that's why God sent the Holy Spirit to open the doors of our hearts so that we would be his dwelling place on this earth. No longer was, was the presence of God or the dwelling of God dependent on whether or not the temple would be rebuilt in Jerusalem. Through Jesus, God has moved his temple from the temple mount into every one of us who choose to follow him. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul tells the Corinthians, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. And then later he writes, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? See, God shifted his, his physical presence from physical places to his people. And when Jesus was crucified, he moved his presence from the temple to our hearts. And so really all we have to do is to do the work to make our hearts a place for God to abide and for us to experience his glory. We know the enemy tries to put other things in our hearts to take up space, to keep Christ from filling it, whether it's sin or temptation or, or desolation or emptiness or hopelessness or whatever else it is. We have to stand on the promise of God and on the gift that He's given us in His Son, Jesus. 
Because Jesus died so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. And so when we turn to God, He fills us with His glory. And that's what gives us new life. It's regenerating, it's refilling, it's refreshing, it's renewing, and and you are filled with that. So that we can do this. So that we can all with unveiled faces look as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and be transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Friends, I invite you to receive the gift that changes us, that transforms us, and that regenerates us. Not because of the power of us, but because of the power of God within us. That's how we refresh. That's how we refuel. And that's how we prepare and offer ourselves as a sacrifice, a temple, for God to work, for God to live, and for God to guide and direct us.